pray. Father, we worship you and praise you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you, Father, for the time in history that we find ourselves as your bride. For those who have ears to hear, those who have eyes to see, let them hear and let them see. Let them recognize the very times in which we stand. We give you everything. I give you everything to do your will. I declare it is not my desire to do any of my own, but only yours. Speak through me what you desire. I give you my mouth. I give you my will. You have my all. In Jesus' name, amen. Two times in this country we have had brothers and sisters fighting each other. The first time was in the establishment of this country itself, the Revolutionary War, where men and women came over here to establish a freedom, a new nation. That nation came at a great cost. It came at a cost of fighting those in whom they knew, they recognized. Because it was the very nation that we were birthed from. The people that we were birthed from that they had to fight to become independent of. Then a little over a hundred years later, they had to do it again. You see, they had to fight amongst themselves to bring another level of freedom. That was the Civil War. Where brother and sister fought against brother and sister. Those two times were the most costly wars in our nation's history. There will be a third. That third is upon us. Where brother and sister will fight against brother and sister. But I want to be clear and I don't want you to be confused. This is not the fight that you think it is. This fight will not be about race. This fight will not be about economics. This fight will not be about ideologies. This fight will not be about status. It will not be about any of those things. 
It will fundamentally be the choice of God or not. That is what this war is and will become. Because you see, at the beginning of this nation, long before the Declaration of Independence, long before our Constitution, long before we were free from England, there was an idea planted in a man's heart. In a man who would ride into the wilderness for days on end to be with God, pray and beg Him for this very thing. That man was William Penn. And it's interesting how our young people now don't learn about him that much. Right? They still learn about George Washington. They still learn about what we call our forefathers. When in reality, do you realize the, the, the real fundamental forefather of this nation was William Penn and those who banded with him to do the very thing that was done. The structure of our Constitution, the elements of that, not, not how it's written now, but I'm talking about the fundamental elements of our governmental system were written by him. Where do you think he got it? You see it all throughout the Word of God. See, America was always intended to be a nation, one nation, under one God. Under the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Be clear what that means. Don't be confused that that is the same God that others believe in. That is the same as Allah. And that is the same of, of these other religions. They all just kind of go back to the same place. Don't be confused. That is not. Because there is one God. And there is one truth. Only one truth. What he is doing now, and we've talked about it for so long now. The time has come that his bride fulfill what was started 300 years ago with William Penn. With this idea of freedom to serve the God in which we believe. Do you understand you are not free right now? Do you understand that? See, we believe while we live in a free country and we have freedom to worship. Guess what? God's beginning to show you how false that is. Right? It's been this way for a while. But God had to manifest it in the physical for us to figure out what's really going on. Does it surprise any of you of 
even what California just declared. The governor there, Newsom, is it? What he declared is that is that the churches that are, are limited in their opening, because they had already done that, but now they are not allowed to worship. They're not allowed to chant. They're not allowed to sing. They're not allowed to do that. I, I'm sorry. Does this make any sense to any of you? It doesn't make sense to me. But God is doing this. He's allowing this to show us the freedoms that we have not had. See, do you have the freedom to send your child to a public school to learn about God? The one God that we're the nation under? No, not for a long time. It all started back when I was a kid and he took, and this government took prayer out of schools, took the Bible out of schools. Now they can't even talk about it. Do you see how twisted everything has become? But see, the sad thing is, it's twisted in a way that makes us blind. Because, see, we think of ourselves individualistically here in America. Well, I'm not stopped to worship God in my house. I'm not stopped to walk down the street and play worship on, or a message or whatever in my car. That may feel like freedom a little bit, but that's not freedom. That's certainly not the one nation under God. Because, see, when a nation stands for something, we place ourselves, by being here, we place ourselves under the covering of that stand. When a gay couple that decides to get married and they want to have the right to marriage, and they say, wait a second, we have the right to marriage. We're not hurting you. Why do you come against us to get married when we don't even know you? We have nothing to do with you. And yet they do. They do in ways that the bride is blind to until it's too late. Because, see, it's through that very situation that those who had a conviction against something are forced to do something they did not want to do. Like the cake maker, who was forced. Well, he didn't. That's why it went to court. So he's either forced to do it or forced to lose his business. Where's the freedom there? Same with religious beliefs. This whole idea of God and the government are to be separate. Baloney. Okay, that may have been Jefferson's idea, which I love the patriotic freedoms that he fought for. But Jefferson was not a man of God. He was not. And what we fight for is God to have supreme 
coverage over everything. This is one nation under God. That's what William Penn had in mind as he was... I mean, read, read his journals. Go do some research on him. It's fascinating. Look at the foundation of our country long before we were a country. Do some research on that. Do some research on what people fought for in that freedom. What they gave their life for in that freedom. It is time for this nation to be what it's supposed to be. That will come with a war. That war has already begun, even though it's not what you think it is. Because that war is in a way to make anything that will tear down this country and what it originally stood for. Think about it for a second. Think about, as a Christian, as one pressed into God, I know I can speak for myself in this. Six years ago, you know, seven, eight years ago, whatever, all leading up to 2016, or, or really, you know, 2015. You're sitting in a government as a Christian, learning how to function around the things you disagree with. And I'm not talking about just because you disagree with them within your heart. I'm talking about things that the Bible says are an abomination. Where God is literally pushed out of the government. And we found, I, I know for me, I found myself just being a little overwhelmed. Because, wow, not much I can do about it. I'm not running for Congress. I'm not in a position where people are going to listen to what I'm saying. So you find yourself isolated to the point where you feel that there is nobody else really that would rise up. So you don't rise up. So then God needs to turn up the burner a little bit. And he needs to bring it out even more. Boy, he turned up the burner when November of 2016, didn't he? He turned up the burner when Donald Trump got in there. Like him or don't like him doesn't matter. He's a hornet's nest. He is a bull in a china shop. He is a one-man ball of destruction. I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a way that he came in because the Lord chose him to do this. He came in and disrupted a system that blinded the church. It blinded the church. It's not about him being a good or a bad guy. I mean... If you need proof of that, go read Isaiah 45. And how, how Isaiah, how, how uh, uh, 
Cyrus's name was written down 150 years before he was, was ever born. Do you know that's why he believed God? Do you know that? He wasn't a believer. Even says that he did not believe in God. Now, hopefully he did by the time everything was all said and done. But it's because he was, was approached with a document, with a scroll that was over 150 years old, that said, Cyrus, my Cyrus, will deliver my people. Blew him away. See, it doesn't matter the method that God uses. Because what he's doing is trying to open the eyes of the bride. Trying to open the eyes of the blind, which are the bride. The bride is blind. How the bride ever allowed schools to take out prayer. It never should have happened. How the bride allowed abortion to become so mainstay. It never should have happened. How these things, where God gets pushed out of our government, how the bride stayed silent. Why? Why did they? Because they were afraid. Because their leadership was weak. They were afraid. I mean, go read about it. I'm not telling you any lie. Go read about it. They were afraid, and you even hear it up to today. They were afraid to lose their tax-free status. Well, you know what? Just bottom line fact. If you believe that God provides everything, who cares if we lose a tax-free status? Who cares? I will not be silenced just so I could get a tax write-off. Do you understand how that makes no sense? You know, if you start giving your lunch money away a little bit each day as a kid, right? And then they realize they can do that, so each day they start taking more and more and more. Until eventually, guess what? You go without lunch. But it doesn't stop there. Then they start to take other things. See, that's how Satan is. Satan is a consumer. He searches about to seek out who he can destroy, consume. He's not going to stop when he gets enough because it's never enough. Understand this war, this third war, third and final war that this country will go through is the very battle with Satan himself. And the manifest brothers and sisters that fight against each other are those that choose the side of him or God. That's the bottom line. But understand that it has nothing to do with the foundations of this country. It has nothing to do with what we're supposed to be as a country. 
these puppet strings are being controlled by people outside of our country, by people outside of our realm. And until the bride sees that, we're not going to be an army equipped to fight. But yet there is a remnant. There is a remnant that sees. There is a remnant that has been tested and built on the battlefield itself that has drawn the line. Do you see, that's why God said it was time. He he could have waited another couple of years. He could have done it a few years before. Why do you think he did it right now? At the beginning of the woe, he said, I am setting in motion something that will not be stopped. See, you understand it's no longer about our choice to receive what he wants. It is now our choice to be a part of what he's doing. We can't choose timing anymore. I'm not saying we ever could. But I believe he could have done what he's doing now much sooner. But he needed at least that remnant to be willing to give their very life for truth. Do you know that's what they did when they came over to form this union? That's what the North did because they believed in freedom and equality for everyone. Do you know our Constitution has never allowed slavery? Ever. And yet we had slavery for a 100 years. How is that even possible? Go back and do your research. Kids, go back and learn history for what it is. It's because they said that the black person was not a full human being. Absolute lie from the pit of hell. That's how they got away with it. And yet it was through the passionate leadership of Abraham Lincoln. It was through the passionate resolve of those that believed the Bible that brought freedom to everyone. Everyone. See, our Constitution says we're all equal. The Bible says we're all what? Equal. Doesn't mean we all live the same. Doesn't mean we all have the same talents. Doesn't mean we all have the same situations in life. If you want to get over that hump of understanding, you better understand that this is not the real reality. That what we go through in this life is not the end all. It is the beginning. It is the interview for what God has in the afterlife. It is the moment of choice to choose him or not when we choose by faith. But see, those who fought against the South 
And, and by the way, this isn't a geographical thing either. It just happened to be at that time the way it split up. It was a split of ideology. It was a split literally of what God wanted versus what Satan wanted. That's what it was. Brother and sister fought brother and sister. And it came from the conviction of all men being created equal that they gave their lives for it. Do you know more lives died in the Civil War than any war? Because they were all American. It wasn't just one side. They were all American. And you can imagine, obviously none of us lived back then. But imagine living back then and you get sucked into the ideology of norms. Well, I just kind of ignore what goes on down in Georgia because, you know, I, I live in Connecticut. You know, 100 years ago or 120 years ago. I, I know what happens down there, but I just don't pay attention to it because that's not what I believe. Do you see what happened? God forced a choice. He forced a choice for this nation. He forced a choice for each one that would have to say who they were and what they believed and put their lives on the line for it. Are you ready to do that now? I'm telling you, I'm not even telling you it's coming anymore. It's here. It will begin with a manifestation of power from the Father that you've never seen. You will recognize it's Him, though. I don't know if the world will. I don't know. I know the remnant will. But what begins at that moment is a battle. A battle for the very existence, for the very plans of what this country is meant to be. One nation under God. One nation. What's the next word? Indivisible. Indivisible. What does that mean? Can't be divided. We're not that right now. Do you get that? Because we're divided. We're not even divided for the right reasons. <sighs> Sorry, Lord and I have been having a little bit of an argument the last few minutes. I'll say it, though. See, Satan takes little... <laughs> the youth group's going fishing this afternoon, right? You take bait to do what? To lure a fish. To bite that hook. Then you have the power to pull him to you. Get him up and eat him. Right? It's not real good for the fish. Right? Do you understand that's what Satan does all the time? He tried to destroy this nation because of slavery that never should have been here in the first place. Because constitutionally, 
It was unfounded. He tried to do it through that. When he couldn't do it through that, he has tried to do it in other ways. Like I said, he's tried to do it in in taking God out of everything that is state-sponsored. Everything. Prayer in schools. You know, we all have a right to our beliefs, but in reality, wait a second, if you believe abortion is murder, and somebody believes, well, women have a right to that abortion, if, if we're all allowed to have our own beliefs, why does it work out that they're the ones that have the authority? Because I, just, I don't get it. They say right to choose. Problem is, they are choosing something that takes away my right. They're taking away a baby's right to live. Even this last bill that, that, was, that was knocked down that, that would say abortion would be at least illegal when the baby's born. I mean, do you guys all know that? Do you, do you follow enough with, with politics to understand what was just voted down in the House? They tried to put a bill through, I think the Senate approved it or something, I can't remember how it went, but it, it was, it was a, a bill that was going to say, if a baby is born alive, you cannot abort it at that point. It was struck down. Is that the most insane thing in the world? I was listening to an interview of a lady who is part of Planned Parenthood, who, who is in these rooms. You know, that Planned Parenthood, they make a huge part of their money by, by harvesting the pieces. Well, the older that fetus is, the more money they get for those pieces. And she was, she, this was a, a court interview. It, it was a deposition. So she was legally, and she had her lawyer right next to her. And she was legally answering questions from the opposition. I don't even know where I saw it. But literally, she was asked the questions about a baby being born alive. And the question was, what do you do then? And she said, I will only answer what I do. I just observe. But once that baby is dead, then they harvest. That's sick. That is sickening. See how far God has allowed it to come for us to open our eyes that what we're fighting for is more than our convenience. What we're fighting for is more than our feeling comfortable. What we're fighting for is what's right. What we're fighting for is life. I want to... I've been in Micah lately. Go to Micah. 
think it's chapter 3. Um, no, let's start. First of all, I want to really encourage you, read the book of Micah. One of the minor prophets. And I would say this too. Talks about it in Romans. I mean, I'm sorry, in Ephesians, about the mystery of the bride. The mystery of the church. The mystery comes to culmination, we see, in Revelation, I think it's chapter 12, in, in the seventh trumpet, the third woe. But God is beginning to show what this mystery is. He's beginning to show because the church, read Romans 11.11, 11, talks about how the bride is manifest and will be manifest to, to literally make Israel jealous. Well, the mystery that stayed a mystery in the Old Testament but was partially revealed is now being revealed. The purpose of the bride, the bride will walk the same road that Israel is prophesied to walk. Why? Because they were afraid to walk it. They were afraid to step out and go down the pathway that God had for them to be the dominating force, not just in Israel, but in the world. Where Jesus would take the throne and rule the world. You see, and I've told you this before, that's the mystery of the bride. He is going to do that now. Jesus Christ will take the throne, the leadership of the world through his ready bride to show, and I'm not talking about him coming physically. This is not his second coming. Because the cost is through faith. He will rule this world through his ready bride that he puts in places of leadership globally. Because it's those who will simply listen to him and do his will. That will show Israel who he is. They are still his chosen people. He will still sit on that throne. That's the mystery that is coming to fruition right now. Let's look at chapter 2, verse 12. And I really encourage you to read all of, all of Micah, go through all of it. And up to this point, it's, it's just talking about, you know, the, this, this uh, lost people. But verse 12, I will assuredly assemble all of you, O Jacob, and, and just put right in there my bride. Okay, in the foreshadowing concept of what Micah is talking about, when you see Israel, when you see O Jacob, when you see anything referring to Jerusalem... Put in that place as a foreshadowing, my bride. 
I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will gather the remnant of Israel or of my bride. I will set them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture, a noisy multitude of men. He who opens the breach goes up before them. They break through and pass the gate going by it. Their king passes on before them. The Lord is at their head. See, what he's saying here is, I am calling a remnant, but I will be. Jesus Christ will be their Lord. He will be their leader. He will go through the gate where? Before them. He's not letting them go on their own. He's leading them. Chapter 3, verse 1. And this gets into the state of where we are right now as a government. And I said, here you heads of Jacob. Think about in this passage, this is what the Lord laid on my heart. Think about America. What he has called America to and the state in which America is right now. And I said, here, you heads of Jacob, or heads, rulers even of the world, rulers of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know justice? In other words, you rule, is it not your responsibility to know right from wrong? Is it not your responsibility to know justice? What is justice? Justice isn't just the understanding of right and wrong. It is standing against the wrong. Do you understand that? It's not just what I believe is truth and what you believe is truth, because truth is kind of relative. No, there is one truth. There is one God who speaks the truth. Leaders. You are to know justice. American leaders, those in the Senate, those in the House, those in the administration, you are to know justice. Not justice to what you think it should be, but justice before the God in whom we are one nation under. If you don't, he will remove you. You who hate the good and love the evil, you tear the skin from off my people and their flesh from off their bones. Who eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off of them and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. There are things that are going to be coming out that will expose this government, that will expose people that will surprise you, that will make the verses we just read literal, not figurative, literal. These are what the powers of darkness do. And yet, In front of you, they quote the scripture. It makes me sick. You want to go to war with somebody, there is a reason to go to war. 
Every time I hear them speak the Word of God, it makes me sick to my very core. Because nothing else in their life resembles that. If you wonder who I'm talking about, just start watching politics. You'll see it. When Nancy Pelosi tries to quote a scripture, when Adam Schiff quotes scripture, I declare it will come back on him and all of them who have quoted it and used it against God's will. That's the war in which we find ourselves. We have been at that war in the Spirit for a long time. As ignition, we have been waging that war for five years. We have been on prayer calls every night, every day, for the last four years? Well, the day one started a little later, but we have gone to war in the Spirit. That war is becoming manifest. Don't take your eyes off what this war is, though. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray. Now he turns his eyes to his people. No, I wasn't reading the, the Bible, that, that was just me commenting. <laughs> just in case. Alright, now the Lord, as speaking through Micah, is turning his face to his people. Those prophets that are supposed to carry his name. So again, verse 5. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray, who cry peace, when they have something to eat, but declare war against him who puts nothing into their mouths. Therefore it shall be night to you, without vision, and darkness to you without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets, and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced, and the diviners or diviners put to shame. They shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer from God. There is a change coming to the bride. What the bride looks like now, there is a change coming. Because of those who have eaten the flesh, that was not theirs to eat. From those in the bride, those pastors, those ministry leaders that saw a program that would accomplish all they needed without giving it to the hands of Almighty God. They will be exposed, but more than that, Verse 8, 
But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. See, there will be a remnant. Satan cannot muzzle the voice of God. Because there will be and there are those who will speak God's voice and His only, whether it costs them their lives or not, no matter what it costs them. Because their loyalty isn't to their own flesh. Their loyalty isn't to their own desire of promotion. Their loyalty is to God and to God alone. That remnant It's not even coming. That remnant is here. That remnant is here. Verse 9. Hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, who detest justice and make crooked all that is straight, who build Zion with blood and Jerusalem with inequity. I know sometimes you read the word of God and and you you try to connect things, you know, in a literal way. And and you always want to look at scripture literally and then ask the Lord to show you the metaphors. Okay, but let me show you one here a second. Okay, one that he he says right here. He says, you know, you, you rulers of house of Israel who detest justice, make crooked all that is straight, who build... This, who build Zion with blood, who have built America with blood, who have built America with the blood of babies. Wow, that's pretty far out statement, isn't it? Research it. Where does that money go? Follow the money. Where does the money go from Planned Parenthood? Where does the money go? I can tell you one thing. It doesn't go to the Trump campaign. (laughs) It doesn't go into the churches. It doesn't go into anything for God. It goes into the further control of, of those things that would be against God. So so understand what the applications God says through Scripture to apply to us right now. Verse 11, its head gives judgment for a bribe. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination for money. Ugh. It just makes me sick. Woe to the preacher or the minister who does this for money, who sells the word of God. If that is their motivation, then they don't know the word of God. They don't even know who he is. 
Yet they lean to the Lord and say, Is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. Boy, I, I lived this in a small way a few years ago in Nigeria. I was asked to speak at a big conference there. And, and before I got up there, I said, Lord, what do you want me to talk about? And he gave me a little hint. <laughs> and I said, Lord, I, even if I could get out of here, I'm not sure where I'd run to after I say these things. And I don't know how many, there might have been three or 4,000 people there, but it was kind of all around. <laughs> so I couldn't go anywhere. And, now, I don't know, maybe it wasn't quite that many, but there, there were a lot of people. And the Lord had me talk about relationship, but the thing he had me focus on was money. And the corruption of money in the church. And there was a guy who got up. I don't know, Michael, was he right after me or was he a couple after me? He was right after me. Okay, and he was he he was a a, a very well known preacher. I mean, I I'd never heard of him, but um, in those circles, very very well known. And and his whole thing was, I mean, he could have taken every word I said and just, like, said the opposite. And, you know, he's talking about this, this, and you guys have all heard it a million times, this, this, sow the seed and it will grow and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And people are running up to him and they're throwing nera, or what we would think of as dollars at him. Throwing him at his feet, just going up, throwing dollars at his feet. Everybody's kind of dancing, hooping, hollering. He's yelling, and and the whole time, you got to understand the stage was probably, I don't know, seventy feet wide by seventy feet long. It was a seventy foot square. This is not a small thing. This is a big, a big place. I'm sitting off to the side in a chair. His entire thing that he did was within 15 feet of me, right in front of me, looking at me. I, I, I'm not sure if he was just trying to combat what I said earlier, or if it was Satan saying, you will not, the Lord will not take this place. By the way, it was that day that the Lord told me he will dismantle head gives judgment for a bride, its priests teach for a price, its prophets practice divination for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, it is not, is not the Lord in the midst of us. No disaster will come upon us. Therefore, therefore because you, Zion, shall be plowed, because of this, you shall be plowed as a field. 
Jerusalem shall be become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the house a wooded height. In other words, what he's saying here, what Michael was prophesying, and how it applies to us as the bride, is he has said, you are not representing me. Right? The Father says to his bride, you are not representing me. Because you represent yourself with a remnant of me, I will plow it from under. Right? That's what happens when you plow a field. Do you ever see a field being plowed? It churns up the topsoil to expose what's underneath. Why? Because the topsoil has become void of nutrients. It, it has no nutrients up there. It has to plow it up to bring up the nutrients from underneath. That's what God is doing right now. That's what he will do in this third war. We have begun the third war. I won't tell you much about it. At least not today. I spent probably four hours with the Lord, and the Lord this morning was just showing me vision after vision after vision after vision. Because this does have to do with the second woe. But understand what we're fighting for. Understand the commitment that you made when you received the blood of Jesus Christ. The commitment you made when you took of communion today. Do you understand? That commitment is not based on how you feel. That commitment is for your life. Because he gave his. Boy, if even just the remnant... If even just... I'll end with this statement. Even if just the remnant would stand no holds barred. Just the rem- We don't even need the whole bride. If just the remnant would stand no holds barred, say yes to the Lord, whatever he wants, this world would be turned very quickly because Satan doesn't have the, the, the ammunition. He doesn't have the, the weapons to be able to fight against God. Do you understand? The only way you're going to understand is to get your mind out of this world. Get your mind out of, out of seeing this three-dimensional world for what you think it is. Will you be part of this fight? Because, see, our nation is changing. I'll tell you something else. I will say this. Lord said it earlier to me. He's bringing a choice in this country. It'll be a clear choice to choose right or wrong. Don't be confused. This is not about choosing President Trump or whomever ends up on the ballot November, what, 4th or 6th or whatever it is. Because I don't believe it will be Joe Biden. 
It's going to be somebody else, I think. It's not about those two people. God has said this will be clear in choice. He will show the clarity of that choice. It will be a choice of right or wrong. And whatever happens between now and then, because the woe is over at the end of this month, okay, what does that mean? I don't know. It means the woe is over at the end of this month. Right? God will manifest what that means. I do know that the overall influence that has been allowed to project and to conquer for five months will be gone. Will not be allowed to be there. I don't know how that will manifest, except that God said we would have a time of reprieve. Don't even know what that means. And I won't begin to try and explain it. I believe, and I'll just share this part with you in in how things will work this year. I think there's going to be an all-out war. All-out war in the spirit between now and November. Is it 6th? When when is the election this year? 6th? 3rd, 4th? I don't know. Okay, clearly nobody knows in here. <laughs> between that, between that, yeah, it's the first Tuesday in November, right? Between now and the election, the third, thank you, thank you, Anissa. Between now and November 3rd, there is going to be a war in the spirit so heavy. I don't know what will manifest in the physical, but in the spirit, there will be a war so heavy. Because God is bringing that choice, and that choice will be clear. Don't be confused, bride. The Lord had us fighting for America. That's what this three-day fast was about, and I have never, I have never been through a fast as tough as that three days. And I've done fasts way, way longer. I've never gone through a fast as tough as those three days leading up to our Independence Day. That fight is for America. That choice will be clear. Donald Trump is going to win, it will be by a landslide. And what that is going to force is the very war that we've just seen. Because, see, the enemy has no choice beyond that. When all the pretense is taken away from the enemy, what choice does the enemy have? To either put it all out there or leave. Guess what? He's not going to leave. He's going to put it all out there. It's that exposure that will crush him. That exposure of the enemy that will crush him. Why? Because of God's people. Why? Because they're great? No, because they carry God's love. God said there is nothing more powerful in this universe than my love. 
So as we start carrying his actual love, that means we understand his justice. We understand his holiness. It isn't just the love that we can feel comfortable with. It's all of it. If we're going to represent him, we represent him fully and not in part. That's what we just read. Let's come on up. We're going to close. Um, over and over and over and over, Holy Spirit's been saying, take no thought for your life. Take no thought for your life. That's just a few verses before verse 33 of Matthew 6. And to the degree with which we are um, holding our self-preservation high will be the degree of blindness that we have. If you want to be able to see and have everything shared this morning resonate, it will be with a laid down life. A life that is, is we take no thought of and it's crucified to Christ. And so... Those that see, that have the capacity to see, will be those who allow the Lord to completely take over. And that's really what it's coming to. And that's what we sang today in the worship song of a, you know, Refiner's Fire. But that is going to be really key. And, and one other quick thing. I, I always wondered, how in the world, when the promise of the Holy Spirit falling and the promise of this great awakening that you hear prophets say, how can there be, um, how can it seem like there are two Two things going on, this war coming and the, the manifest you know, evil and all that, yet with the Holy Spirit falling and healings and victory. The, the reason is just what he said. When God's power falls, Satan, has, in order because he won't leave, he has to counterfeit it. So that's why he has to show this counterfeit power. And that's why you've seen in some of the recent revivals in history. I remember Toronto um, were very criticized when um, the Holy Spirit fell on that at that time. Um, because there were videos at that time. The earlier revivals, they didn't have all the footage. Um, and even the Toronto one, there's, you know, kind of footage that's old videotape. But there were people that saw people, you know, barking like a dog and acting crazy and all that. It's because the demons manifest to counterfeit the manifestation of what God's power in a life looks like. And he tries to take the spotlight from what God is doing and cause it to be something, well, that can't be God, that can't be God. It's because in some cases it was not God. It was Satan manifesting his power. So if we, if we take too much thought for our life, we will be deceived when the false prophets arise. Yes. We will not know and be able to discern. Because straight up pure evil is easy to discern. It's when evil comes in the form of good and comes as an angel of light. And so take no thought, take no thought. Read Matthew 6. Because um, if you are too worried about your life, how you feel, who disrespects you, you know, how much you have to care about this situation, your money, whatever. If you, you take too much thought for your life, you will be blinded by your self-preservation. And it will become all about you, which is what he said at the very, very beginning. So we're going to pray and, uh, and close today. Thank you, God. We just worship you and praise you. Thank you, God, that you are our hope in every situation. God, and I thank you and praise you for the promises that we are divine partakers of when we accept you as our Savior. I thank you, God, that we are more than conquerors. Why would you give us a promise of conquering 
if there were no battle with which we could be a conqueror. God, we are more than even a conqueror, though, with you, Jesus. Thank you for that. Thank you that we can do all things through Christ. What things are those? Whatever that you tell us to do, whatever you demand of us, you equip us with to fulfill that demand you give. And I praise you for that. Thank you that nothing will separate us from your love. God, these are things that we walk in to be victors in this time. And yes, thank you, God, for our armor. Yes. Because, God, the fiery darts are going to seem like major missiles coming at us. Yes. But, God, nothing, nothing can penetrate a shield of faith that is anchored in you, God. We just worship you, give us strength. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Because what you have prepared for us, I have not seen nor ear heard, nor have our minds the ability to comprehend what you've not only prepared for us in eternity, but for in in our walk with you now as we abide. So God, I ask you for strength. Give us greater wisdom and revelation as we seek your face throughout the day today and all throughout the week until we gather again. We love you. We trust you. Open our eyes, God, that we might burn with a bright light to everyone around us that we encounter. And I say and ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.